Welcome back to the Tank Me Later podcast. I am your host, as always, Noah Rubin. This is episode 13, where I'm joined by Fantasy Basketball International's Adam King to discuss uh, some recent free agency news and the fantasy impact from that, uh, as well as giving you some of our thoughts on Summer League, uh, what to make of Summer League, a couple of the performances. I don't think we went too in-depth on that. Um, but since we recorded this on Wednesday night, and it is now Friday morning when this is released, uh, there is a few pieces of news that we didn't get to talk about that I'm going to very quickly uh, discuss or break down or whatever you want to call it. Um, the first thing is Matisse Thibel. Uh We had talked about him signing a three-year, $33 million offer sheet with Dallas. Uh, obviously, I mean... You'll you'll see, but we were very uh, adamant, or at least maybe I was very adamant, that Portland was just going to let him walk because they're trying to trade Dame now, trying to restart. I figured, why spend the money on a win-now player and just let him go to Dallas? Um, and we talked about his fit with Dallas, but obviously we won't need to because Portland decided to very quickly match that deal, um, which... It has a, as I'm reading this now, a 15% trade kicker. So if they try and trade him before the end of the three years is up, uh, it'll end up costing more money, so it makes him harder to trade. Um, it's not a massive contract to the point where it's like, why would you have that money on your books, Portland? But it's still just a little bit more on their books um, as they try and go through a rebuild. I imagine try and go through a rebuild after... Eventually trading Dame to Miami. Nowhere else is it happening. Um, so Bible has a chance to start next season. I would imagine he's a starting caliber player. Um, especially for a Portland team that I imagine moves off a couple other uh, win-now pieces. Um, which probably limits the minutes for anybody behind. I mean, I don't think he's going to take away from Shaden Sharp or Anthony Simons. Um but you also have to imagine, are they starting a small lineup with Thibel at the four? Maybe I'm, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he won't start. I think Shaden Sharp will still start unless they do Thibel at the four. But Jeremy Grant's there, so Thibel's probably coming off the bench. Um, scratch that about me saying he's probably going to start. Um, so they just match an offer on a depth piece. I imagine they'll still be able to move him if they try to. It's just the trade kicker definitely makes it harder. Um, but honestly, probably not a huge, massive fantasy impact, so I won't spend any more time on it. Uh, Chris Duarte traded to Sacramento um, for two second-round picks in 2028 and 2030, so basically for nothing as of right now. Um, Duarte was really solid as a rookie, especially early on, and playing alongside Sabonis, Demonis Sabonis, and then... Really didn't do much this past season. Part of that was due to injuries, but uh, honestly, it's a great fit for him. I don't know exactly what his role looks like. I mean, they have Kevin Herter as the starting shooting guard there. I believe Malik Monk is still there as well. Um, yeah, I think he had signed a two-year deal, so he should still be there. So who knows what Duarte's role looks like, but he had chemistry with Sabonis, so this is a good fit for him. Um, and it opens up some extra minutes for guys like Andrew Nemhard. I also have issues. I 
haven't looked up how to pronounce his last name since Adam and I recorded this, so you're going to hear me have issues with that as well uh, when we get to talking about him later on. Um, and then I think that the only other move that was really big uh, was DeJounte Murray signing a four-year, $120 million extension. Um, that was a max extension because it's the most that the Hawks were legally allowed to offer him um, based on whatever reason. Um, the fourth year is a player option, but uh, the Hawks you know, just moved off John Collins, got his contract off their books, um, but they have locked up DeJounte. He probably, if they would have waited one more year and he got to the open market, probably would have costed them more money to, to keep him or he would have gotten more money elsewhere. So it's a, a team-friendly deal getting it done now. Um, so they have their backcourt for the next four years unless they decide to make a trade. So the fit... I know a lot of people have talked about the fit. Um, it's very difficult, in my opinion, to year one make things work perfectly. doesn't matter what the situation is. I mean, if you look at past champions, n- n- those aren't really first-year situation of bringing a, a duo together. You know, Denver's had their squad for however long. The Warriors before that, the Bucks before that, you know, it's it's teams that are building with these guys. Now, the example before that, of course, breaks that down with the Lakers winning it and Anthony Davis's first season there. But that was, I think, like a pretty special, you know, occasion or not occasion, uh, circumstance is the word I'm looking for, uh, with the bubble. So obviously, uh, longevity helps and like building team chemistry helps. So I think keeping Trey and DeJounte, allowing them to build together, that there were definitely times that it worked. And I think that the struggles that the team had weren't because those two weren't working well together. But I think having Quinn Snyder get an offseason with his guys is definitely going to help them as a team. Locking up their backcourt helps. Um, I wouldn't be shocked. I know a lot of people are talking about more moves that the Hawks will make. Obviously, I have no sources, but... Um, if the Hawks do make more trades, because how often do we hear about teams being very active on the trade market and then not really doing anything big? DeAndre Hunter and Clint Capella are probably the two names that I'd be watching out for, partially because it's like a, a fingers crossed situation for fantasy, so we can get more minutes from AJ Griffin and Onyeko Kongwu. Uh, maybe Okongwu can finally be the starting center. Uh, since Jalen Johnson's minutes are already going to be opened up from John Collins being dealt. Uh, Sadiq Bay will probably still be the starter, but the Hawks have some young guys sitting on their bench that are ready to contribute. Um, and so if they're able to make the trade, for example, a guy like Siakam, uh, like a DeAndre Hunter, Clint Capella, and picks for Siakam, I, I don't even know if the money adds up there. I'm just throwing this out off the top of my head. Um, not sure if that's something that Toronto would accept, but I think that's something where it gives the Hawks a really good lineup of, you know, big three with Trey, DeJounte, and Siakam. And then you have, I'd imagine, Sadiq Bey starting at small forward, but maybe A.J. Griffin. Um, and then Okongwu at center with uh, A.J. Griffin and Jalen Johnson off the bench. Um, and then, you know, that gives Kobe Bufkin the opportunity to run the offense off the bench as well. So they... Uh, they Got the first domino to fall with DeJounte's extension. Now we just got to see if they can make more moves. 
um, and what that looks like. But the only other moves that have really happened since then aren't really impacting much. EJ Liddell uh, signed a three-year deal with New Orleans. I think he had yeah, tore his ACL in summer league last year. Didn't play at all as a rookie. I mean, I think he's a guy that if you're able to stash him in Dynasty, go for it. It's like a really deep league um, because he was a pretty decent, like decently valued prospect heading into last draft. Uh, but obviously the injury kind of sidelined him for the whole season and probably a lot of people forgot about him. So um, the Grizzlies and Suns made a really weird trade, swapping a bunch of picks and Isaiah Todd ends up in Memphis. That doesn't impact fantasy, at least right now, um, and probably won't ever. Aside from Memphis getting the less favorable first-round pick if they choose to swap uh, between Phoenix and Washington. So basically, if they finish with a better record than Phoenix in 2024 or 2030, which it's weird that it goes all the way to 2030, or if Washington turns things around, then Memphis will have the opportunity to swap if if they're better than both of those teams. Um, so it's just like a we'll see what happens kind of thing, but it probably won't, probably won't impact much. I say that now, and then both Phoenix and Washington are going to be like the two worst teams in the league in 2030, and Memphis is going to be able to get like a top two pick out of it. So we'll see if it uh, turns out to be anything. Um, and then Montrez Harrell resigned with Philly. I think we talked about um, very briefly Mo Bamba signing with Philly, um, and I believe Paul Reed is still there. Um, he may be a free agent, and maybe I'm just kind of talking now. So let me actually pull up their uh, their contract uh, table while I'm talking about this. But uh, having Montrez Harrell and Mobamba off the bench behind Joel Embiid, I mean, it's it's great. You have depth, um, but there's really no fantasy value to be had there. Not that. The backup for Joel Embiid is ever really going to have minutes, but more than like 12 to 16 a game. And now if you have Bamba and Montrezl Harrell, and I got it now, Paul Reed is a restricted free agent. Um, So we'll see if they choose to match uh, who he signs with. Maybe he just signs back or what all happens. But um, they'll have depth behind Joel Embiid. Embiid will sit out some games simply because they want him ready for the playoffs. So there will be a handful of games for streaming value there, but as of right now, we have no idea if that's going to be Montrezl Harrell, Mobamba, or Paul Reed. We were hoping Paul Reed, but then Philly went and signed two other centers or re-signed one and signed another. So who knows what that looks like, but they have some depth behind Embiid. That's great. Yay. That's probably the only other moves that I don't think that Adam and I talked about. Uh, so before we get into it, just a quick reminder to like and subscribe uh, to this podcast wherever you consume it. I know, I think looking at the uh, looking at the stats, most of it's on Apple Podcasts. So if you can rate the podcast as well, that'll help me out a ton. Um, follow me on Twitter at NoahRubin22. And apparently also follow me on Threads, which is the new Instagram version of Twitter. It's at Noah.Rubin22 because... Somebody already took Noah Rubin 22, so I had to throw a dot in there to try and keep it similar. Uh, Hopefully, you can find me on there. I'll try and post most of the same things I post on Twitter on there as well, if I remember. Um, And then, obviously, also subscribe to my Substack, 
Uh, it's noahrubin.substack.com. If you just throw your email in there, you'll get all this stuff sent to your email whenever I post, Monday, Wednesday, Friday mornings for columns, and then Friday mornings for podcasts. Um, it's pretty consistent for the most part. Um, if you want to make a fake email and or a separate email, that way I'm not flooding your email, that's fine. Um, it'll just get it to you and it'll help you be able to see all my content. So be sure to check that out if you're interested in keeping up with all of this Dynasty content um, and having it conveniently presented to you. Um, but before I continue to ramble on about whatever comes to mind for me, I'm going to go ahead and get into episode 13 of the Tank Me Later podcast. Welcome back to the Tank Me Later podcast where we talk about basketball. We talk about dynasty fantasy basketball here. And this is obviously the busiest time of year. We've just had the draft and now we're going through free agency right now. Uh, Plenty of players changing teams or just getting big money to stay where they are. Trades happening. More so rumors than just about anything else. But there has been quite a bit of movement so far through the First almost week of free agency. Um, so yeah, we've just had some moves happen recently. And I was I am being graced by the presence of Fantasy Basketball International's own Adam King. Adam, how are you doing? I'll say today for you. Today for me. Very late for you. Uh yeah, yeah. look, I'm <laughs> I'm good. Uh it's school holidays over here, so um working from home a little bit more, which is nice gives me a bit of flexibility to do more shows um and have a look at my threads.net <laughs> feed yeah seeing if that's going to actually be a thing we were just talking about that before or if it's just twitter competition to make elon take things serious or if nobody's going to care about threads in a week <laughs> maybe less we'll see i don't know could be a thing but you know we, we talk about the the time difference i don't think it would be a a fantasy basketball podcast between, I guess, somebody in Australia and somebody in America without at least addressing that we're on completely different times right now. But but it's fun. Yeah, basketball. yeah, look, it's yeah, – we make it work. It's, uh, it's, it's unusual to do a podcast for me with, with anyone not in America. So <laughs> it's, uh, I'm used to having to juggle times a bit. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll go ahead and dive into uh, the recent moves because we're recording this on Wednesday today. Yes, today is Wednesday. Um, and we just had Grant Williams finally end up in Dallas after weeks of rumors that he was going to sign there. But it's a sign and trade uh, instead of him being a restricted free agent and then having to sign an offer sheet. So it's Grant Williams to Dallas, Reggie Bullock, and an unprotected pick swap from Dallas in 2030 to San Antonio and then multiple second round picks to Boston. Basically the only real fantasy impact here is Grant Williams going to Dallas um, and Dallas having to give up probably less than I'd imagine Grant Williams really costs and Boston getting back less than they probably should have in just a straight up trade for a player of his caliber. But if he was going to leave anyway, I guess they'll just kind of get back what they can. Um, he's a guy that I really like as a talent, 
maybe not great for fantasy basketball, but I think he fits in really well with Dallas as a guy that can play defense really well, kind of guard multiple positions and just be a stretch for a guy that can give space for Kyrie Irving and Luka Doncic to kind of work their magic offensively. Um, and I think, you know, they can always use guys that can at least support them offensively and make up for some of their defensive limitations. Adam, what do you kind of think about this move? Yeah, I like it for Dallas from a, a real-life perspective. I think Grant Williams, as you sort of alluded to there, is is much better in real life than in fantasy. Uh, he's, he's sort of a, I don't know, he gives me sort of P.J. Tucker vibes a little bit. So he, he's a good um, spot-up shooter from the corner, solid defender, can guard multiple positions, um, a decent passer. So they they can utilise him a little bit um, in, that, in that respect. Uh, from a fantasy perspective, I mean, I guess if he starts and plays 32 minutes a night, then he's someone to consider at the back end, especially in Roto, because he'll he'll get you a little bit of defense, some threes, a couple of assists, um, points, rebounds. So I don't know. I'd be I'd be having a look at what his role is, but I, I do think I do think from a real life perspective, he's he's a nice addition there. Um, their front court is is still a little bit messy we we don't even know who really their starting center is yet so uh, i don't yeah. know exactly where he fits but i think he's an upgrade yeah i guess looking at it to me i'm looking through their roster and probably the only other competition for the starting power forward spot would be maxi kleba yeah um because yeah i don't, I don't really see them going with markeith morris or i don't really see christian wood being back or really starting if he is back they just Grant Williams got a four-year, fifty-four million dollar contract with the trade, so I don't. I know it's not like a massive, massive deal, but I don't think they'd pay him that much to come off the bench. But I don't think they're also going to force him to be a starter if he's not earning it. So I could definitely see him starting at the four, like you said. We'll see if it's thirty-two minutes as a starter or if it's more like twenty-six to twenty-eight minutes as a starter, mm. because obviously they haven't been shy about starting guys and really not playing them. I mean, Dwight Powell was their starting center and there was games he was playing like 12 minutes, like the first six minutes of the first and third quarters and they wouldn't see the floor after. So they haven't been shy about that. Uh, but they also made another move today by bringing in Matisse Thibel, or we'll see uh, a three-year, $33 million offer sheet where I guess Portland will have the opportunity to match it. But I think after Philly kind of traded him to Portland at the deadline, we knew he could play defense, but he couldn't get on the court in Philly because of his offensive limitations. But then he was kind of hitting threes there for a little bit for Portland. Mm. Is is that something he can sustain? And if if he can, I, I see that leading to potentially a starting role for him and him being like valuable in fantasy basketball. If he's hitting threes and you know the defensive stats are there. Yeah, I think it all hinges on that three-point shot. Um, I mean, ideally, you'd you'd think, hey, he's going to come in and just play that Reggie Bullock role, and and Bullock was was playing a significant role, but we saw for big stretches last season his shot went missing, and so he was useless. He, he didn't offer them anything. Um, so I think if Thibault can can be a threat, um, a serious threat from the three-point line. Um, his defence, yeah, as you said, we we know how good he is defensively. So 
maybe they look at starting him alongside Kyrie and, and Luca uh, at the three. I'm not sure. Again, their rotation is still – it could even be a little bit matchup-based because they could start Kleber at centre if they need more floor sp- spacing. Sean Holmes is there. Um, where does he fit? They they drafted um, Lively as well, who, who's maybe their centre of the future. Um, Thibault can play at the four at, at a pinch. I think you could play him as a, as a stretch four, but, again, he'd need to be hitting his threes to, to do that. So – He's not someone I'm targeting at the moment, but if we, through the preseason and that sort of thing, if, if it does look like he's going to have a significant role, then certainly you'd look at him in those um, sort of later rounds in drafts. Yeah. And I'm just now thinking about this. I'm kind of seeing the makings of Dallas actually putting together a solid team around Luke and Kyrie. So a lot of work to be done. But if you look at the moves they've made kind of so far this summer, you could go Bible at the three, Grant Williams at the four, Lively at the five, and they've added three guys who will make an impact defensively. I mean, Lively is a shot blocker, and we've seen Thibel and Grant Williams both play very good defense, which I think kind of helps out because, like, if you have Luca and Kyrie, top five to ten offensive talents in the league, but they're not going to really do much for you defensively. I wouldn't call them just atrocious defenders, but they're not – the same level as the other three. So I think that's a s- solid starting five to me. I think that they've quietly done a good job this summer of starting to build out a competitive team after missing the playoffs last year. Yeah, I mean, I think you could sort of say Luca and, and Kyrie between them are going to get you minimum of 50 points a night, possibly six, probably not 60. Some nights they'll get you 60, but yeah. 50 to 55. Um so then you you only need your your other whatever five six rotation guys to be getting 50 60 points which is 8 to 10 points each and i think you look at all of these guys and they could all average 10 11 points and that's that's all you need them to do um i think ideally they'd like to have one more reliable scorer and, and christian Definitely. wood was sort of that guy but he's just so bad defensively that i don't know if they're going to bring him back but yeah. um I think Josh Green could actually have a bigger role this season. I think we saw some uh, sort of offensive upside from him a little bit uh, periods down the stretch last season. So I think he fits in there somewhere as well. Um, and both he and Thibault play for Australia. So there's a little connection there with them having played and trained together with the Australian team. So I don't know. It's going to be interesting. I, I think they're certainly looking better than they were two weeks ago and they have a third australian player adam we have to talk about dante exum we we are we talk about dante exum on this podcast when you're here what does he give you in the three minutes per game he might get (laughs) every four games they'll give him two minutes yeah look i think before thibel came across and and they made all these uh well a couple of additions I, i was hoping he'd maybe get a backup kind of role behind Luca, and, and maybe he'd get 15, 16 minutes. And I don't know, but I think he's an upgrade on uh, like Frank Nilakina, for instance. I think he, he's a more length. He's, he's a good defensive player. He can guard, um, probably wouldn't sort of guard him at the, put him at the four, but he can certainly guard um, on the wing. 
So an improved three-point shot, I think that is something he's really worked on since he left the NBA a couple of years ago. So a little bit like Matisse Thibel, really. Good defensive upside. If he can hit those three-pointers, that's going to be key um, for, well, for I mean, for the team, but I think the more they can spread the floor, it'll allow Luca and Kyrie to go to work inside a little bit. Both of them are, are really good at attacking the basket. So I like to think that there's a role there for him. It's not a fantasy-worthy role, obviously. We're not drafting him or anything like that, but it is good to see him back uh, in the NBA after a couple of years. Yeah, definitely had to, to sneak that in there as soon as I saw the move um, to make sure we talked about him. Uh, but a little bit back to Thibault. I mentioned he was a restricted free agent, so Portland will have a chance to match the offer. Yeah. I don't really see them doing that now that Dame is kind of demanded out. I think that if Dame was going to stick around, then keeping around Thibel would help build a contender. But they'll probably, lead, I'd imagine, just let him go at this point, which is kind of my segue into talking about Dame, who was originally at the top of the list of topics to talk about uh, before the recent, recent news, which wanted to definitely hit on early. Um, so, after, oh gosh, how long has he been there? 11 years of being in Portland, preaching loyalty. Dame finally demanded or requested a trade, which I I am on the, the team of he should have done this two years ago, and Bradley Beal probably should have done it three years ago. Uh, but it, it's happening. Um, and now he's making it saying it has to be Miami. I don't really want to play anywhere else kind of using the media to say, or maybe, you know, I guess he, we don't know for sure he's using it, but it kind of seems like using the media to say he wouldn't really be happy anywhere else. So other teams shouldn't really want to trade for him, which probably drops the price a little bit. Um, Kind of screwing Portland in the process. I know at this point he probably needs to be a little bit selfish, but it kind of undoes some of what he was building in Portland. What are kind of, I guess your thoughts on the general situation, and then we can kind of get into what that looks like for fantasy in both Miami and Portland. Yeah. Much like you, I think this probably should have happened a couple of years ago. Uh, Portland have sort of just been lingering in that sort of 10th spot, like six to 12, that range for, feels like forever. Um, yeah, so, I mean, finally he's leaving. I've got no issue with the, the whole loyalty thing. I mean, he's stuck with them despite <clears throat> very little incentive in terms of winning. Uh, so fine for him to go. Yeah, look, I mean, the, the whole requesting a trade to go to Miami is he, he doesn't have that clause that Bradley Beal had where yeah. he formally sort of select his, his landing spot, but... The way it's being worded in the media and phrased, um, as you said, other teams would would have to um, would have to really meet with him and, and sort of get a feeling that that he'd be happy coming because you don't want to draft or trade for him because you're going to have to give up a lot if he's going to come and and sort of not have his heart in it and and really just be viewing a, a an eventual landing spot in Miami at some point. So. It does sort of hamstring them a little bit. Um, in terms of the package, I don't know what that's going to be. Tyler Hero is obviously rumoured to be sort of one of the key pieces. 
Um, so I don't know what it'll what it'll be, but yeah, look, I think it's a good move for both. I think Portland need to start going in a, another direction. So I'm I'm happy it's it's finally happening. Yeah, and so then that'll probably, I'd imagine it's some sort of package around Tyler Hero, maybe like Duncan Robinson or Kyle Lowry as contract filler to try and work that out, picks, and then a third team to move assets around as well. Probably not exactly certain, but I would guess Dane is in Miami as the starting point guard alongside Jimmy Butler and Bam, probably Caleb Martin, and we don't really know who that fourth starter would be if Tyler Hero's gone because Max Strews and Gabe Vincent are also gone. And then Tyler Hero wouldn't be in Portland. He'd be in this third team where there's been like five or six teams mentioned that could be that third trade partner. So if we look at Miami, I think Dame is going to be Dame, and he's going to be phenomenal for fantasy. Bam is going to be very good. Jimmy Butler will be very good. Is there? Do you think because it's just kind of those three stars and then probably role players that this could help some of those other guys on the team? Um, I know Caleb Martin has a lot of hype because of the Eastern Conference Finals. Does this make him more of a legit option? Uh, is there anybody else that you're kind of eyeing there in Miami? Uh, I, I don't think so. I, I think you add Dame to that equation, and, and I think you, you're bringing in a 30-point scorer um, to replace, well, Kyle Lowry in theory, I suppose, Gabe Vincent. Um I mean, Tyler Hero, you're obviously losing his points production, which was, I don't know what he averaged, low 20s, I would assume, something like that. So, uh, yeah, look, I mean, I think Caleb Martin, if he starts, is is someone to consider. But I know he was really good in the Eastern Conference Finals, but I don't know, that's a very small sample size, and we've seen him for multiple years where he'll have two weeks where he's just red hot and everyone goes and grabs him off the waiver <laughs> and then... And then he has two games where he scores four points and he's back on the waiver wire. So it, it doesn't sort of make me want to run and, and grab him and make him a priority in my drafts. But I think with the players that will that will be leaving and, and freeing up some roster, some minutes, his role will be a little bit more secure um, this season. But to me, I think they're the only three guys that I'd be considering must-roster players. Yeah, I was just pulling up their roster. I forgot Josh Richardson signed there. I'd imagine yeah. he, he starts at shooting guard, probably pr- some threes and steals, not a guy you're really looking at in 12-team leagues, maybe in deeper ones. And then you have a couple of the young guys there, like Nikola Jovic, uh, Jamie Jacquez, and Omer Yurt7 maybe, Orlando Robinson, guys that aren't proven whatsoever and like have upside but you're not really targeting them for next season but in dynasty a few guys to stash because dame is older jimmy butler is older eventually they're going to see minutes yeah that's probably- and i think miami signed someone didn't they as a backup center i'm sure they've let yurtsevin go or they're going to let him go and they they signed someone I they re-signed cody zeller if i'm not mistaken oh thomas bryant Thomas Bryant, that's right. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, he's a solid backup. If if Bam yeah. goes down with an injury, um, Bryant would be worth a look. We saw what he did 
last year in a couple of games when Anthony Davis was out um, for about two weeks. He was like a, a top 80 player. So if he's getting 30, 32 minutes, we know what he can do. So someone to keep an eye on. Yeah. And then if we look at the Portland side of things, basically tame, taking Dame out, I would almost guarantee that Nurkic is traded. Um, so that leaves Scoot, Anthony Simons, Shaden Sharp, probably Jeremy Grant until he's eligible to be traded. And then he's they're probably going to trade him rather quickly. Uh, like I'd be very surprised if by the trade deadline or if he makes it past the next trade deadline and is still in Portland. Um, but that obviously leaves a lot of minutes. What are Who are some of your favorite guys uh, for next season to look at with assuming that Dame is gone and they're not bringing back a package that is multiple starting level players that they're mm-hmm. getting a ton of picks and then have plenty of minutes to allocate. Yeah, I think it's the three guys you mentioned there, um, Shaden Sharp, Scoot and um, Anthony Simons. They'd be the the three that would be the, the obvious ones. Nurkic, I'm not sure what happens with him. It would make sense to try and move him because he doesn't fit this new timeline at all. And and look, honestly, he wasn't great last season anyway. So um, I think you could probably get something for him. Who then starts at centre? I don't know because um, oh, what's his name? He's gone. Um, Drew Eubanks is gone. So mm. who is the backup centre now? I'm not, I don't know if you've got the I roster think there. Trendon Wofford's gone as well. So He's gone as well. Yep. Uh, which was uh, a bit surprising. I thought, I thought he flashed some, some upside last season, so I was, I was surprised they let him go. Um, so I think there's a if Nurkic does go, there's a whoever plays their starting centre role is going to be someone to consider. Um, but it's it's mainly going to be those three, obviously guards. I'm assuming they'll all start alongside each other. Uh, probably I don't know. Scoot's sort of a a point guard, so you'd probably look at him with. Sharp at the three. I'm not sure. I don't know how they'll do it, but they're not that'd be my care. guess. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're, and they're not going to care. They, they're not playing to win. They're <laughs> playing for draft picks, lottery balls, that sort of thing. So, um, all three of those guys will be really good, um, at least from a pure production standpoint. Their efficiency might be an issue some nights because Portland is just going to let them shoot. Um, so it's going to be. Yeah, I don't think they've finished yet, Portland. Um, Obviously, that once Dame is sort of that, um, that the 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 piece that needs to fall before they can go. Okay, now we need to fill this roster spot and this roster spot. So, sort of hard to know until we know where Dame is going and what they're getting back. But I think those three guys will be really good. Yeah, I was looking at the roster and I'm like, until Jeremy Grant gets traded, he's going to be great. But other than that, in those three that we talked about there's not much to look at and say, oh, that guy's definitely going to be really good. Like there will be minutes. <laughs> so yeah. somebody's going to have to do it, but it's not, I'm not getting super excited about pretty much anybody else in that roster. Um, but we'll see. I mean, there, somebody's going to have to do it. Um, hmm. But we can move on to Houston, who is very active in free agency um, for a few days. We don't really need to, I mean, uh, Jock Landale will fill in as like a backup center. 
but they signed him. But then the two main ones were Fred Van Vliet signing for three years, 130 million, and Dylan Brooks sign and trade for four years, 80 million. That's a huge shakeup of their roster and kind of what we expected because they also added basically two top five talents in Amen mm. Thompson and Cam Whitmore, who slid to 20 for, I guess, injury rumors. But I'm not really sure if that was why or not. It seemed like people were suggesting it, but it was never really confirmed or at least what the injury was. Um, how do you kind of see some of the minutes shaking out? Because I would assume that they're not going to give these guys huge contracts for them to not start. And then you have Jalen Green, Jabari Smith, Alperin Shangoon. That That's probably the starting five in my eyes. What do you mm. think? I think so. I think, I mean, Van Fleet obviously is a starter. Um, I think Jabari Smith is definitely a starter. Shangoon should start unless I know they were targeting Brooke Lopez and didn't get him. Um, so whether they don't view Shangoon as, as sort of that, that piece right right now. I still think long term they do, but so I'm hoping they don't go after another center and that Shangun can start. Um and then yeah, look, as you said, I think Dylan Brooks with the money they paid him, he'll be starting. Um, whether you agree with it or not, that he'll be there. And then it's probably Jalen Green, as you said. I think he he starts at the two. Um Kevin Porter is probably the name there that obviously everyone's a bit worried about. Uh, I don't know how he fits now because I mean Thompson, as you said, is there, um, and I th- given well, given they're hopefully not playing to win, but who knows? With Van Fleet's an interesting addition for a team that doesn't want to win now. But I mean Thompson would you would hope plays a significant role. Um, yeah, and Tari Eason's still there. Where where does he fit? Does he just back up? Um, Jabari at the four, I'm not sure. He's a little bit undersized, but he's a good defender. So I think there's still maybe a couple of moves to be made there in Houston. Um, does Kevin Porter, is he even there in, in two weeks? I, I don't know. So I think the only guys you could probably trust, I think Van Fleet will be fine. Jabari, from a playing perspective, will be fine. Um Dylan Brooks, I'm not drafting him. I, I don't know whether you're drafting him, but we've seen him start and do nothing. So um, unless Imi Adoka can get into his head and get him to be a bit more selective with his shots, I think he has some upside to be a 12-team guy, but he'd need to be shooting a lot less uh, ill-advised shots. So I don't know. We'll see what happens. Now, the only analyst that I've heard of that will be drafting Dylan Brooks is Josh Lloyd. He's a huge Dylan Brooks fan, so he, uh, <laughs> yeah, I know him. for a fact he'll be drafting him. Uh, but we know that Brooks will start is an incredible defender, but when you talk about the ill-advised shots and the low shooting percentage, it's you know I, I think there's so much talent now in this Houston team. Um, like They're going to have four lottery talents coming off the bench, or maybe – you wouldn't call Kevin Porter Jr. a lottery talent, but a very good, a starting caliber player, at least a very, very good sixth man. But you have Fred Van Vliet, who I think shot like 39% from the floor last year, something like really low because he's a smaller guard shooting a lot of threes. Mm. Dylan Brooks obviously shoots a low percentage. Jalen Green had his issues with shooting percentage as well. They have so many guys that are just 
shot chuckers. So it's like yeah. they have all this talent. They have some very, very good defenders, some young, exciting players. But there's a clear, like, glaring hole of guys that are just going to take bad shots and be inefficient at times. So we'll see what Yudoku can do there. But I think it's almost like I was kind of mad. Like, I, I like the moves they made, but I'm like, I want to see Amen Thompson start. I wanted to see Tari Eason start at the three and Cam Whitmore still play a lot off the bench. But now it's like you're probably, if you're paying Dylan Brooks that much, you're probably giving him somewhere between 28 to 32 minutes, depending on how competitive they're actually trying to be next season. Um, but I don't think you give Fred Van Vliet a, a three-year mega deal if you're not at least trying to be better because they've been in the lottery for three straight seasons, like early lottery for three straight seasons. So basically since Harden left, I guess, but they have the talent there. They just have to kind of make it all work now. But I think a lot of the guys that we loved and really wanted to see are going to be limited because of the move. So bad for fantasy, but good for the Rockets is kind of what I'm coming away with here. Yeah, and I think I, I was just quickly looking up. I think if you're going to draft any of those guys, you need to be either punting field goal percentage or <laughs> or have some very strong field goal guys because Brooks, Van Fleet, Chabari Smith, and Jalen Green were all 41% or less. So oh my goodness. That, that's, that doesn't go well for... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and even Shengun, I don't think he's wildly efficient when you look at centers. He might be like oh, 50, low for 55, a 55, Just which is which is decent. But yeah, it's uh, he doesn't shoot a lot. He's not a, a high volume scorer, so it could be interesting. There could be a yeah, some some really bad shots being taken in Houston. <laughs> but and then Kevin Porter Jr. will will come off the bench and make sure he gets yep. his fix in as well. Yeah, so. It'll, it'll be a fun time, fun fun team to keep an eye on in League Pass. But uh, we can move to L.A. They made some moves. Uh, the Lakers, I mean, uh, I don't I actually don't know how many moves the Clippers have even made other than re-signing Russell Westbrook. But uh, uh, they, they got um, – Clippers got um, uh, Kenyon Martin. That's right. They did. That's a good yeah. point. I forgot about that one. Um, but the Lakers have been more active, I'd say. They re-signed mm. Austin Reeves. Uh, four years, $56 million. I think I was expecting more money because there was reports that they'd match up to $100 million. But I think I was reading that the way that teams weren't allowed – or they weren't allowed to match offers until days after or something, that basically the timeline wouldn't work out that if a team offered Austin Reeves like four years, $100 million, the Lakers may not have been able to match it quite yet. So it was like something weird with the timing that prevented yeah. him from getting yeah. more money. Um, and then they re-signed D'Angelo Russell, which very surprising to me that they brought him back. Uh, two years, $37 million. I guess once I saw the contract, it made a little bit more sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then gave Vincent, I believe that was a three-year, $33 million deal as well. It's actually the same as Thibel. Um So I was really excited about Jalen hood Shafino after the draft because I thought there was a chance that every point guard slash guard could leave. And then they replaced Schroeder with Vincent, re-signed D'Lo, re-signed Reeves. So I'm a little less excited about him next season. But you have your starting point guard in D'Lo, probably. You're starting shooting guard in Reeves, and then Gabe Vincent as your sixth man, or at least your backup point guard. I like the moves that 
they made, especially because like bringing D'Angelo Russell back at the price that they are bringing him back is a good move to me. I think, you know, I don't remember exactly how much he made last season, but it was in the thirties. And then he was, he just disappeared at Mm -hmm. times in the playoffs and it cost them. So having Vincent as kind of insurance at point guard, I think is a really good addition as well. And then obviously Reeves got his, got paid for what he did in the playoffs and throughout the first two seasons. What are kind of your thoughts on some of the moves the Lakers have been making? Yeah, I like, I like what they've done. Um, Yeah. I think Reeves is, they've already come out and said he's going to handle the ball a lot more. They'll run the offense through him, which I think impacts D'Angelo Russell. Uh, I think he'll still be a a guy we want to be drafting, but I don't know, top 80, top 100, maybe he'll get sort of 15, 16 points, six assists, doesn't really get many steals. Uh, Austin, I'd I'd take Austin Reeves over D'Angelo Russell, I think, in in a draft. Um, Yeah, Gabe Vincent, I think when he was drafted and when he was – Picked up initially by the Lakers, everyone was very excited and thinking Gabe Vincent's going to be their starting point guard. But as you said, they got Russell on a really nice contract. Um, so I don't think Vincent is a guy that I'd be, I'd be drafting. Um, I'm sure he'll be picked up. And, and look, there could be a, a point during the season when they just go, Gabe Vincent, you're starting. D'Angelo Russell back to the bench. That could very well happen. Um, especially if they're pushing to win because D'Lo, I think you could, he doesn't contribute to winning. I think based on what we've seen in his career, he's not a sort of one of these guys you have to have on the floor if you want to make the playoffs. So, and I mean, look, maybe that even makes sense because D'Lo off the bench could be a really nice backup point guard, give you some scoring, um, run the offense a little bit more, whereas with that starting unit, they're going to run it through Austin Reeves uh, and LeBron, as we know, they run a lot of the offense through him. So maybe they do go with D'Angelo Russell as the backup at some point. Um, but from a real life perspective and, and based on what we saw to end last season, I, I think they're trending in the right direction. Yeah. And I think, you know, Vincent could obviously, he adds more defensively than D'Angelo Russell does. So I think that could be a nice perk for them as well. But I think also, you know, D'Lo would, his fantasy value would be hurt by either coming off the bench or even if he starts next season, he probably won't produce the same level. I don't think he'll be as bad in the regular season as he was at times in the playoffs. But also having Austin Reeves handle the ball a little bit more, allowing D'Lo to to spot up could help him just be a better player for them, uh, even if it affects his fantasy value in a negative way because he's getting less assists or the less volume of shots. So we'll see. I, I mean, I think the Lakers are making good moves and they have, you know, they should be better next season. Than they were at least for the first half of this past season. Yeah. Yeah. I think so too. Um, and then, so we'll move to a move. I really, really liked actually. Um, I believe this was a sign in trade Max Struess to the Cavs. And then he got a, <clears throat> I think it was a four-year, $64 million deal. Something like that, yeah. Or, or three years, 63, something around where it's around $60 million. I think that he – it won't be a, a shoe-in for him to be that fifth starter, but I think he fits in as the the fifth starter that they they need, that they needed last season. 
know, they have two guys that are top tier playmakers and scorers. They have two elite defensive bigs. They really needed somebody to come in there and, and be a competent defender and a floor spacer. And they just could not find that with their six options last season. And I think Struess can come in and be a, a good defender and a volume shooter that if they just want to run him through screens at times or just have him space the floor, I think he fits what they need really well. Obviously he's not going to be great for fantasy basketball. Like and you're playing like a, a 30 team league and you are built on threes. Like, yes, he will help you, but he's not going to be doing much in 12 team leagues probably. Uh, especially now, I think in Miami, he was going to, he, he won't be as big of a part of the offense in Cleveland as he was in Miami because mm-hmm. they're going to have Garland and Mitchell with the ball in their, in their hands all the time. Whereas Miami played more of a team style that allowed Struess to get plenty of shots. Whereas this will just kind of be some threes, like not nearly as many, but I think he fits them really well from a basketball perspective. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think he he fills that gap. They they never really found that fifth starter last season. They tried a few different options. Karis Levert isn't it. Um, so I I think not having him in the starting lineup. Uh, Isaac Okoro was there for a bit and good defender, but does nothing else. So I think Struess could start and and look the amount of money they're paying him. Um, you want to get value for money, so you need him on the floor. And yeah, but as you said, I think from a fantasy perspective, I wouldn't be drafting him. He feels like a guy that you'll stream in at the end of a week if you need threes, because um, he could very well average three three pointers a game, three and a half, but won't really do much else um, in fantasy. So yeah, I like it from a again a real life perspective, and and. I think the Celtics, uh, sorry, the Cavs, I think the Cavs are going to try and involve Evan Mobley a little bit more this season. Um, I think we were hoping for him last season to take a bit of a step offensively. It didn't really come. Uh, but I I think this season maybe maybe he'll be ready. I think third, third year in the league, um, he doesn't have a reliable three-point shot yet, but he can shoot the three. So I think they will try to utilise him a bit more, which impacts, obviously, Struess's um, ability to get his hands on the ball outside of just spotting up and hitting threes. Yeah, I think that if Mobley isn't able to take kind of a, at least a step offensively this season, he'll start actually receiving some criticism. It seems like through his first two seasons, he hasn't really been criticised at all. Uh, whereas other guys from his draft class have and other young guys have. But he's kind of been safe from all that. But I think that if he isn't really able to do much in year three, that might actually start to happen for him. So I have high expectations for him. I'm very high on him. But I think by year three, we probably need to start seeing at least at least a little bit more offensively. Won't be the same volume because of the guys there. But mm. hopefully we can at least say, take some steps forward. Um, so then the next move to talk about Brooke Lopez, I don't think this is a ton to necessarily dive into, but signed a two year, $48 million. I guess he re-signed with Milwaukee. There was reports that Houston was going to be very aggressive to try and get him. Um, 
but he's going to stick around in Milwaukee, try and win, you know, at least get past the first round next season. Uh, but he was incredible for fantasy last year as a three-point shooter and as a shot blocker. Um, I don't remember exactly where he finished, but it was way, way earlier than where he was drafted. I doubt he'll uh, be drafted. 23rd. 23rd. Yeah. That's, nobody's taking him in the second round next no. year. I promise you no. that. <laughs> but uh, Or in a 30-team league, you know, somebody's taking him with their first pick. Um, oh, God. No. I, don't, I don't think so. Um, but, yeah, he, uh, he's he got a probably a couple of years left of production. Um, I don't know how many more, but he should start at center. I think the only thing that this really impacts is that Bobby Portis is going to keep being a sixth man instead of – I mean, he had an opportunity to move into the starting lineup potentially, but he's still going to be a very good sixth man that becomes a super streamer if Giannis or Brooke Lopez is out. I mean, that's probably the only fantasy impact that I can think of. Yeah, I think so. I think it it doesn't – Lopez is Lopez. He's he's going to do what he does. It, it really just means Bobby Portis isn't someone we want to draft. Um, yeah. And, yeah, you're right. We're, we're not taking Lopez inside the top 30. Um, <laughs> cheap, cheap plug for our uh, ADP data. I can actually look at where he's yeah. been taken in, in very early drafts. Uh, so his ADP currently is 56. Okay. I can get behind um, that. <laughs> yeah, I think that I think that feels okay. I think I think at that point in the draft I'd go with someone else just because he's not exciting. <laughs> I, just, <laughs> I just want someone fun on my team and he just feels very boring. So I'd I'd probably go for um if I'm just looking at again at the ADP data. Like he's going one pick before Zion, two picks before Jordan Poole, four picks before Jalen Williams, five picks before Scotty Barnes, Paolo Bencaro, oh my gosh. Tyrese Maxey. I'd have all of those guys over him. Just absolutely. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I I don't know where Brooke Lopez is going to fall in a draft that I'm in because 56 now seems very, very, very high and very early after hearing those names. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I guess if it's a little bit more, uh, he, he's one of those guys, it's very dependent on what stats you need. If you, if you sort of get yeah. to the fifth round and you've got no blocks, you take him and then you're almost set in blocks. So he's one of those guys that can really swing a category. So if you've missed out on a centre in the first few rounds, then he's a pretty safe option in that fifth round. But for me, I'd... Yeah, I would have gotten a center early, um, and and then I'd be okay to grab someone with more upside. Yeah, I mean, I guess if you had taken Jaron Jackson early, and then you could kind mm. of pair those two. I mean, you shouldn't ever lose blocks if that's the case, but that's probably, I don't know, that's probably the only other fantasy thing I can really think of with Lopez. So we could we could just move on at this point. I mean. Yeah. Blocks are having done a couple of drafts and uh, already blocks next season are going to be pretty interesting because they're getting harder and harder to find. Yeah. And you've sort of got these guys that are elite two and a half blocks, 2.2 blocks. And then there's quite a big gap. So like in, in the draft I was in, I took, I took Wembenyama in the second round just because I wanted him. Nice. Um, and then Walker Kessler in the fourth round, I think. So I'm set for blocks like that. No you one is beating them. me in blocks. <laughs> um, and that's just with two players. Yeah, that's yeah, that's where we're that's where we're at. Yeah. Um, 
So we'll move to an interesting signing with Bruce Brown. Two years, $45 million to the Pacers. He, he bet on himself, signed a short one-year deal with Denver, was a huge contributor for them to help them win a ring. And then he's going to go to Indiana where, sorry, he's probably not going to win a ring next season, but I don't imagine that they're going to pay him that much to have him not start. So I kind of, off the top of my head, unless I'm forgetting somebody, I'd imagine they're starting Tyrese Halliburton, Benedict Matherin, Bruce Brown, and then uh, Jairus Walker, Miles Turner. Unless I'm forgetting somebody, I think Buddy Heels off the bench, Andrew Nembard's Nemb, hard Nembard. I don't even know how to say his last name. Off the bench, um, I don't, can't think of many other players uh, to start on the wing. But okay, so. O'Shea Brissett? No, I feel like he signed somewhere else. Yeah, he's going to Boston. That's right. Yeah, uh, I think Isaiah I Jackson. think it'll be I think it'll be Heald or um, Matherin. I think will be the that third starter. Um, and I don't know. You can make a case for both of those guys to start. I think, uh, but yeah, I, I do think Bruce Brown starts as well. The, you're not paying him that much to to not start. Um, and he was he was about where are we? So he was 122nd last year in 28 and a half minutes a game. So I think we could fairly safely assume that his minutes are going to go up. He'll be 31, 32 minutes maybe. Um, so I think drafting him sort of inside that top 120. He doesn't have the upside to, to sort of be a top 50 guy or anything like that, but I think he's a fairly safe top 100 player if he's playing 30 minutes a night. Yeah, he does. He contributes a little bit everywhere. I think he's a, mm. a good hustle player. So he can, I think he's a good rebounder for his size, especially, and get you a steal, but not a ton of huge upside. I think I like him there more as a basketball fit, which I feel like has been kind mm. of a theme throughout us talking about some of these free agents. It's not really great for fantasy, but I think he fits in well with Indiana as they're trying to get back to being a competitive team. I don't think that they have all the pieces there yet, but I think he helps, you know, he just won a ring. He can help with their culture and things like that. So I I see that as his biggest impact though. He probably, I mean, you said top 120. I think that's fair. I mean, he could, potentially finish inside the top 100 and i think that's probably his peak yeah yeah i think so and, and another name there and i only remember this because i i talked about it with dr a yesterday is um uh, obi toppin who they signed from the knicks mm, mm-hmm. um coming in don't really know where he fits He's probably coming off the bench as you said because jaris walker will start but i thought toppin flashed a little bit last season I, I, I like his fantasy game and i think you could argue that he's better than um, uh, Jalen Smith um, already. Uh, Isaiah Jackson, I'm not sure where he fits, whether he's purely the backup centre now. So maybe maybe Obi Toppin plays or splits minutes with Jarris Walker a little bit and, and can get 18 to 20 minutes a game. And, and I'm not drafting him, obviously, in standard leagues, but in deeper leagues, he'd be someone that I'd consider. Uh, I think I, I like his game. Yeah, I mean, he's a former lottery pick that when he got the chance did really well with New York, but 
I guess he just wasn't on Tibbs' good side, and that means a lot if you're playing for the Knicks. It just doesn't work <laughs> yep. out. I mean, if he doesn't like you, he doesn't like you. So I, I like as an upside pick, but like you said, probably not in 12-team leagues. No. Um, so we move to Washington, who is finally rebuilding, kind of, sort of. Traded Chris Stapps for nothing and Bradley Beal for nothing and then traded Chris Paul for more than either of them and got Jordan Poole back, <laughs> which is just a strange se- like sequence of moves. But they also re-signed Kyle Kuzma, which was very, very surprising to me. I thought mm-hmm. he was like a lock to be gone. But I guess if he's already won a ring in his career, he might as well get paid. And they probably offered him more money than anybody else. And now he's going to go there, sign for big money, and just have a competition with Jordan Poole for who can take the worst shot and just have fun for this season. And then probably – I, I doubt he finishes out this contract with Washington. Probably gets traded at some point. But, um, you know, he's he's not a great fantasy player because he doesn't do – he doesn't really add any defensive stats. He shoots like a – pretty low percentage for a six ten guy, but he's going to have the ultimate green light in Washington next season. I don't have his best fantasy finish. Oh, actually I actually do. Uh, he was a top 100 guy, not this past season, but the season before in Washington. Um, but he was 143 last year. So do you see him as a top 100 guy? Actually, I'm also curious if you could, if you have his ADP data, cause I'm kind of curious where he's uh-huh. going. Probably do. Uh, let me have a look. Uh, so his ADP currently is ninety nine. So I think that's fair. Around hundred, which I think is fair. I think, as you said, he was one hundred and forty forty ish last season. Um, doesn't really give you defense. I think if you're drafting him, you know what you're getting with him. So, and if you can get a, a guy that's going to average upwards of 20 points, 22 points a game at pick 90, pick 100, you take it. Um, that's the reason Harrison Barnes keeps getting drafted. It's just because he can score points. He does absolutely nothing else and hopefully won't be drafted this season. But Kuzma is like a younger version of Harrison Barnes. So, I think he gets I think he gets drafted. I think he he averages 23, 24 points a game. Uh, I think Washington just on the whole are going to be a a fun fantasy team because there's going to be value to be found. Um we don't know the exact rotation. Daniel Gafford is probably going to be taken sort of pick 80, pick 90 just because of his blocks upside. Um Tyus Jones is starting his ADP is around eighty, I think, from memory. So, yeah, I think I think Kuzma's someone you you draft knowing that you're not really going to get any defense, um, but he'll hit some threes. He'll get a couple of assists, uh, points, which which can be valuable at the back end of drafts. Yeah, some rebounds. His free yeah. throw percentage is not very good in like relative to how many threes he hits like he hit two and a half threes a game last season and shot 73% from the free throw mm-hmm. line, which was better than his past two seasons. Cause his last season with the Lakers, he shot 69.1% from the free throw line, which is just not good for a volume no. shooter like him. Like it's surprisingly low. 
Yeah, it is. That's, uh, I feel like he should be a better free throw shooter, and maybe this season <laughs> right. uh, he, he can get that up to sort of 75, 76. Um, I feel like he should be 80, but whether that uh, – there's a lot of players like that. I mean, yeah. how, how Luka Doncic doesn't hit 80% of his free throws, I have no idea. <laughs> Just mind-boggling because it, it looks yeah. pretty. He hits the easy – the step-backs look easy. The free throws is where is what gets him. It's just – yeah, it's strange. I just – I wonder – I always wonder with free throws because it's it, it's one of the only aspects of the game that has very little – very few variables. So it doesn't matter what court you're on. It doesn't matter who you're playing. It, nothing matters. You sh- If you practice your free throws, you should get better. Um, and, and like even I could say I haven't played because of my knee for 18 months, but I could guarantee – that I could go and hit 75% of my free throws if I shot 20 free throws because I've just been playing for so long and it's such a sort of a muscle memory thing. So with guys like Luca that they should be practicing their free throws, why aren't they getting better? I just don't know. Yeah, it's strange. It's uh, I don't know if you listen to JJ Reddick's podcast, but when Luca was mm-hmm. on that, he was saying the first time he shot a step back three in a game, he had never practiced it before. And that, that to me, it's like, oh, okay, yeah, there's no way he practices free throws. Yeah. There's, he just goes out there and just kind of does it. Like, he's yeah. not a, uh, oh, I worked on that shot. He's a, yeah, I just tried this today and it works. So that's probably how he that's probably how he does his free throws as well. He just goes out there and shoots them, I guess. It probably is. I, I don't know why the <laughs> coaching staff wouldn't be into him. And Like, if you're shooting two free throws a game, fair enough, who cares? But he's a high-volume guy from the free throw line. No. It could mean an extra two points a game or one point a game, which isn't a lot, but it adds up. Yeah. Um, so I, I had the Jeremy Grant re-signing, but I know we've kind of already talked about Portland. Um, it was a massive deal, but I don't think there's really much else for us to talk about there because he's probably going to get traded, but he's going to be very good until then. Um, so we've spent enough time on Portland, so let's keep it moving. Mm-hmm. Uh, Draymond Green, four years, $100 million extension, which was probably more money than I expected. Uh, but I think the main fantasy impact here is I think Draymond's kind of past the point of his career where he's a coveted fantasy t- target. But it's the fact that he's going to start at power forward, which means that, well, maybe he'll start at center because I think I read somewhere that they were – this may have been like fake now that I'm thinking about it, but that they were going to start Chris Paul and Steph and Clay and Wiggins and Draymond, which just sounds like a very small lineup. But either way, Draymond's going to start, which means that Jonathan Kuminga isn't, that he's going to be in a role off the bench. And since it's a four-year deal, who knows if – Kuminga or Moses Moody or really any of these young guys are ever going to get the chance to be anything in fantasy basketball. Like I think it's Golden State tried to do like this half rebuild on the bench while also trying to compete for championships. And they've just kind of made this mess where they have all this lottery talent that just hasn't panned out. Are we still hopeful for any of this? working out eventually or is it just kind of they're going to be competitive for a few more seasons. Eventually these guys are going to retire 
and then they're going to have to go through a hard rebuild. Yeah, I think they are. I think it's going to be they've almost like they've dug their grave now. I think to some point they've they're just so invested in this core that they've got that they're all going to plateau. Well, I mean, you could argue that they've all plateaued, but they're all going to hit that wall at some point within about two years of each other. And then they're just going to be, which I mean, it's not a terrible idea. It means then you're going to be terrible for three years. So you potentially get three top four picks or something. So, but there is going to be a time, I think, and and maybe we saw it starting to come last year. Um, They certainly, I think, I don't know, to me that the championship they won a couple of years ago was, I wouldn't call it fluky, but it wasn't a dominant one like they when they were sort of the um the that number one team clearly in the nba mm-hmm. so i think they sort of lucked into that one a little bit last season we saw a bit of a decline um and then this season i'm i'm not sure uh what to expect i mean with draymond green was the reason we're talking about the warriors for him like he's not someone i ever draft just again because he's like brook lopez he's boring and he's he was a top. So I looked it up. He was 99th, I think, uh, 99th last season. I don't see how he can be better this season. Uh, he's Chris Paul's there. So that's whether he starts or not. Chris Paul is going to be handling the ball whenever he's on the court. So that could impact Draymond's assist numbers a little bit. He's a bit older. His ADP currently is 80, and there's no way I'm taking him at 80. Um, It'd have to be after pick 100 um, because there's a chance he only plays 60 games as well. They're going to try and manage guys a little bit. So, yeah, I'm not sure what their rotation looks like. As you said, I don't know. Starting Chris Paul and Steph Curry is a bit weird, but maybe that's – a bit of a matchup kind of thing when they're against a smaller team, they'll they'll run small, and then against bigger teams, Kevon Looney will come into the starting lineup. But Kaminga, yeah, I don't think he's going to do much this season with Draymond there. Yeah, it's it sounds weird to say starting Chris Paul and Steph Curry in the backcourt, but I think also it sounds weird to say having Chris Paul as your sixth man. Like he's just, yeah, I know he's he's not the same player he was, but he's. He's just a guy that it just sounds weird to have come off your bench. Like, I don't care how old LeBron is. He's never going to come off the bench. Like, that just sounds weird to say. And I get, you know, Chris Paul's, I think, like a year younger than LeBron. So he's like 38. But yeah. it just sounds weird to say. So, I mean, I, they have time to figure it out. But like you said, if you're going up against Joel Embiid, Draymond Green is a very good defender. But you're just not going to only have – Draymond out there trying to stop Embiid and just hoping he doesn't get in foul trouble. So I don't think you can really start Chris Paul or at least at least not Kavon Looney in that situation. So yeah, that's kind of the uh, you know, like you said, they've kind of said we're going to try and win with this core. Um, so yeah, kind of sucks because I feel like there was some talented players. Like I said, Moses Moody, Jonathan Kaminga, uh, they got Patrick Baldwin Jr. very, very late. So I think it's kind of just the upsides there, but they're not really banking on it. Uh, they had to trade away James Wiseman because, one, he couldn't stay healthy, and two, they couldn't really even give him minutes. And now they've traded Jordan Poole 
and giving up picks to get Chris Paul as well. So it's just mm. it's just weird. So it's, it kind of sucks for those guys. But heck, they've got their core and they're going to ride it out till the uh, till the bitter end. So I think that that's that, right. Uh, yeah. The last year of that contract is going to look horrible. It is, yeah. Ryan Rollins is another guy they they were reasonably high on, I thought, and and didn't play last year much because of a, a foot injury. He's now in Washington. I'm pretty sure he went as part of that whole trade. Um, someone I've got in Dynasty, and I'm I'm hoping now that he's in Washington, he he actually gets a bit of a role there. So we'll see. Yeah, yeah, we will. And the only other move that I have left on my list is Miles Bridges signing. I think it was just a one-year, seven point nine million. I want to say it was a qualifying offer. I don't want to say it was just a contract, but regardless of the wording behind it, um, I don't feel like discussing any sort of legal issues or opinions there. But we could talk about the basketball stuff. So mm-hmm. he's going to be there. Um, serve a ten-game suspension to start the year, and then he should be good to go the rest of the way. I'd imagine he's starting. Um, he was very good for fantasy, uh, obviously, the season before last. And, you know, does taking a year off of basketball impact him a little bit? Maybe. We'll see. But I, I think that uh, he's got a really good opportunity, especially in Charlotte, to start, play a lot of minutes, and eventually earn a big contract. Um, so it's it's kind of a prove-it year. I think that they have some talented players there, but – Maybe my expectations are just very low for them because of how bad this past season was. But I mean, they have, they were a, a play in team the two years before that with Bridges and LaMelo. They have Rozier, they have Gordon Hayward, they added Brandon Miller, Mark Williams is a player now. Like he's, he's good. So they have players there to be a competitive team, but my expectations for them are very, very low. So this is to me, Miles Bridges has a one year deal. He can prove it and earn the big contract that he was in line to get before this past season. Yeah, I think he certainly, from a basketball perspective, he makes them better um, because I think he's an upgrade from like a PJ Washington um, starting at the four there. I think they 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 could be a playing team again and, and possibly sort of a. a uh, I don't see them being a top six. Um, They'd need a lot to fall their way. They need Lamelo to be healthy, um, Haywood to stay healthy, which that's not going to happen. We know that. Um, so I think they, they're sort of there. They're trending in the right direction. But for Miles, uh, Miles Bridges' perspective, he is someone that I remember how good he was two years ago um, because I drafted him everywhere because I, I had a feeling and, and he ended up being a – I can't remember what his exact rank was, but I know for a, a significant part of the season, at least early on, he was putting up second-round value. So he was sort of someone you were probably going to be drafting inside the top 40 last season. And so now having had a year off, who knows what he's been doing, how they're going to use him. But if you had to guess what his ADP is, because I've looked it up, what would you <laughs> think? what would you think his ADP might be? Oh gosh, I was just about to ask you what it was. Um, shoot, I feel like people may have, like now that he signed a deal and will definitely play next season, people would take him earlier than they would have for drafts if they were done two weeks ago. I want to say like 
barely in the top 100. That's my random, random. Okay. I feel good about my guess. <laughs> yeah, that's a very good guess. Yeah, 94. And I, I think that'll come up. I think as we get closer to draft season, I think he'll probably move inside the top 80. Um, because even though he's, he's going to miss 10 games, basically every player misses at least 10 games during the <laughs> yeah. season. Nowadays. So that's not a huge um, negative in terms of games played because he could he could very well still play 65, 68 games if he can stay healthy, and that's sort of the average. So, yeah, I think it'll come up a little bit, but it will be interesting to see what happens with PJ Washington and whether he ends up re-signing or going somewhere else. Yeah, and Miles Bridges did play 80 games that last season that he played in. Mm-hmm. So he hasn't yeah. really had major injury issues through his first four seasons in the league. So I think it's very reasonable to have him play 65 to 70 games. So very possible there. Um, if you had – I don't know if you can think of any other moves that you'd want to talk about, but that was that was it that I had from my list. Uh, I think that's that's probably covered most yeah. of it. I'll I'll go through quickly and see if there was anything else. But I think, um, uh, yeah, I mean Kenyon Martin, as we we sort of did touch yep. on the Clippers very early on. Kenyon Martin, I think, might start in LA um, only because his competition is Robert Covington, Nicholas Batum, and Marcus Morris. <laughs> so that's fair. I th- I think. I mean, I'd go with Kenyon Martin over all three of those guys. So I don't think he's someone that you really need to to go, okay, I need to draft this guy now because he's still going to play alongside um, Kawhi and Paul George, although, as we know, they're always injured. Uh, so yeah, certainly someone to, to keep an eye on. Maybe you take a flyer on him. But is James Harden coming to the Clippers? We don't know. Um, so wait a little yeah. bit and see. But... Uh, yeah, I think he's I – th- I like his landing spot. Uh, Westbrook, we don't really need to talk about Westbrook, I don't think, um, unless Indeed. you want to. But. I'm, I'm good. I, I know – I mean, he'll be better. He, I have higher expectations for him than I did heading into last season, but I'm still probably not drafting him. Yeah. Uh, who else? Dennis Smith Jr., again, uh, from a, a basketball perspective, I, I like him moving to Brooklyn. I think he gives them a really nice backup point guard, and I think it tells us a lot about what they think about Ben Simmons at the, at the moment. Um, I don't know. Have you got any thoughts on Ben Simmons for next season? Oh, gosh. Ben Simmons' thoughts? Um, <laughs> the same thing as, as far as Russ. I feel better about him. And you know what? I hope that he does well. Same thing for Russell Westbrook. I really am, mm-hmm. am hoping that they're able to bounce back. I just – I'll have to see it to believe it at this point. Yeah, I don't even think uh, – let me go to this trusty ADP data. <laughs> I have a feeling. Uh, so Simmons' ADP is 135. So That's fair. <laughs> people are okay going last pick of the draft. I'm just going to take yeah. Ben Simmons and see what happens. Um, yeah, look, I hope he turns it around as well, but I'm not confident. Um, Jackson Hayes with the Lakers, again, not a fantasy guy, but Anthony Davis will be injured at some point. And if Jackson Hayes starts at centre, he's someone that will probably be added off waiver-wise um, on and off a lot if I, if Anthony Davis 
if his injury form holds true and he misses games every few weeks. Um, Jackson Hayes is interesting. Um, yeah, no one else, I don't think. Monty Morris, God, we don't need to talk about him. Um, Dennis Schroeder in, in Toronto, any thoughts okay. there? Um, now that Fred Van Vliet's gone, I think that, I mean, he could start at point guard, but, like, he's not really a guy that I'm excited about for fantasy. I mean, that's – I think he has one top 100 season in his career, and it was when he was with the Hawks, and I thought he was the future of our franchise. But I think he's a little bit past those days. Um, I think he's, again, just a, a solid basketball role for them but not much for fantasy because the only way he would really be providing a ton of value is if he's getting a lot of assists. But I don't think, I mean, new coaching staff, but I I think with Scotty Barnes there as a playmaker and if, if Siakam sticks around, he's a guy with the ball in his hand. So it's not like Schroeder's going to be force feeding assists around. So I don't really see much fantasy upside. No, I think he's, He's, yeah, like if you last round and you just need a point guard, yeah. you maybe pick him because he, he might play 30 minutes, but, yeah, not a lot there. Um, yeah, and Siakam, I don't know. I'm wondering whether Siakam goes to Atlanta um, oh, and they man. trade Capella. I, I don't know. Oh, fingers that, crossed. Yeah, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not sure, and, and I hope that happens because then a Kongwu will start, and I'd love mm-hmm. to see a Kongwu starting at centre, but yes, we'll, uh, yeah, we'll see. Yeah. Um, and and I'd uh, Siakam in in uh, Atlanta. Gee, that'd be fun. Send DeAndre Hunter with Capella, and then AJ Griffin can start at small forward, and then we're really cooking. Yep. Yeah, Jalen Johnson. Here. I'd love to see Jalen yeah. Johnson playing big minutes. But anyway, that's a that's another topic um, <laughs> because it's not going to happen. Though, so we're just fantasizing over nothing. The only other guy for me would and someone that I'm quite high on is Cam Johnson re-signing in Brooklyn. Um, yeah, I. I He's someone that I that I like. I think he was uh, Cam Johnson. He was last season. Oh, there's a lot of Johnsons. He was 54th last season, uh, and ADP is ADP is 83. So yeah, man, I would if That's I could get value. Cam Johnson at at pick 80, I'd be I'd be pretty happy. Yeah, I like him a lot as a talent. I mean, and there's going same at the end as the end of last season for them. Like somebody's going to have to score, and we saw Mikael Bridges take his game to a new level. So I think Cam Johnson could do something similar, especially with an off season with the team under his belt. So I like yeah. it, especially at eighty three. Yeah, I think I know Doctor A looked up his stats. I think last season in Brooklyn and he was he was something like 18 or 19 points 1.2 steals uh six and a half rebounds 3.2 three pointers quite efficient good from the line um and last season you have to remember he he missed a month six weeks with a knee injury or something from memory um mm-hmm. meniscus i don't remember what it was but i think, I think meniscus sounds right it might have been but yeah so he he obviously came back and he and he played well, but he's now got a full off season under his belt. Um, he'll be sort of nine months removed from that knee injury, so yeah, I'm excited if I could get him, yeah, anywhere near pick eighty. Um, and if anyone's in drafts with me, his ADP is not going to be eighty. <laughs> um, so 
he could be one of those guys whose ADP climbs a little bit too. Yeah. Um, well, I'm sure there will still be plenty more moves, um, but if we can just briefly – Summer League's going on, so if we can just briefly talk about that because I know I've taken up a lot of your time already. Um, what is kind of your philosophy when you're looking at Summer League production? Because obviously we're looking, and, and Jalen Williams was dominant in his first game. Then they're just not playing him because they shouldn't have given him a game in the first place. And then Keegan <laughs> Murray is, uh, as we're – recording this finishing up a 39 point night in summer league because the starting power forward from the number three team in the West is now playing in summer league for some reason. Um, Don't really know why he is playing in summer league. I just, I genuinely don't. Um, But there's still, you know, we had, um, what was it? Champagne from uh, San Antonio score however much he did and then did really well again tonight but he's not necessarily a guy where i'm like oh boy he's really cooking in summer league like gotta get him in my draft now so what's kind of your like what do you take away from summer league uh well like you said i think someone like a keegan murray shouldn't be playing in in summer league that that's probably more of a request coming from him saying i'd like to play and i want to play i don't think the team would be going we need you playing because <laughs> they and i think it highlights just like if you look at in a in a vacuum if you look at what keegan murray did last season you'd say he wasn't he wasn't super impressive he was decent but didn't have that sort of breakout well, it was a rookie season, so you can't really call it a breakout. But he he, yeah. he probably didn't perform to the level that we had hoped he would. But it just shows you that having had that year in the league, how dominant he is in when you compare him to these summer league guys. Um, so I take nothing away from that at all. If I'm looking at, at guys who might have some fantasy value, I think you need to make sure you're looking at a team that's not going to be winning. Because you, you look at a guy that that's playing really well for um, Golden State or the Lakers, they're not going to get minutes to start the season or, or as long as the team is competitive and winning. You want to look at guys like the Spurs um, or, I don't know, who else Who else sucks? Washington. Have a look at their guys. Because they're, they're players that potentially could carve out a role because the team just wants to see what their young pieces look like. Um, so for the Spurs, I think Malachi Branham has been pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, is it Mac? Uh, where are we? As you said, yeah, Julian Champagny. I'm not sure how you say that's one of the names <laughs> I'm not sure about. Um, so yeah, looking at him, Blake Wesley has been pretty good. So they're the they're the guys that I would take note of, um, especially from a dynasty perspective. Um, because there might be some guys floating around in Dynasty that aren't on a roster, so just go and add them. Um, so, that yeah, that's sort of what I do. Like Summer League is is a chance for these fringy kind of guys on on low teams to, to try and prove themselves and earn a spot in the rotation, whereas it's not going to happen if it's Denver or um, Lakers, for instance. Yeah, I think it was, and actually I was wrong about Keegan Murray. They're still playing. He has 41 now. So I don't know how much he's going to finish with. He's played 31 minutes. That That's my thing. Sure, play him. Don't, play, don't like full-on Tom Thibodeau uh, run yeah. his knees into the ground here. But 
that's what they're kind of doing right now. So, hey, it's funny, whatever. But um, I think Josh Lloyd had tweeted about like w- watching out for like third year guys. So, for example, I think Kai Jones played fairly well tonight, but he's a guy. He's in Charlotte. Um, let's see, he had. 12 points, four steals, two blocks, four rebounds. But he's a guy that like really hasn't been very good through his first couple seasons in the league, and now he's still not dominating summer league. So it's kind of mm-hmm. like we may have been out on him before, but now it's like it's kind of wrapped up. Like we're, he's not going to ever really be a guy to value in fantasy. I think that's kind of probably the only like solid thing you can – definitively take from summer league because it's like so many guys are just awful in summer league and then end up being very good in the nba as rookies so like we're looking at brandon miller and he's had some big big struggles through his first two summer league games but Mm. that might not matter he might just get into the league and just be significantly better like it wouldn't be shocking Uh, i don't think it's like something where you're saying like this guy was bad in summer league as a rookie. Definitely going to be bad as a rookie in the NBA. I mean, Keegan yeah. Murray won summer league MVP mm. and didn't win rookie of the year. I think when I was looking this up last year, the last rookie of the year to also win summer league MVP was like John Wall. Like it's. Yeah, it doesn't happen. Yeah. Like it, it's success in summer league doesn't translate to the NBA directly. Like it can it, you, there's things to take away, but just overall general performance, I feel like doesn't necessarily translate. No, and and yeah, it's. I mean, we're seeing more and more now to these the elite rookies. They don't play the whole of summer league. Um, like when Victor is going to play in the first game on Friday, I wouldn't be surprised if we don't see him again after that because he's just finished his Euro League um, season. They know who he is. They know what he does. Um, I, th- I think you you pay more attention to the preseason than the than the summer league for a lot of these rookies. Um, yeah. And and look, I think you could make a, a fairly strong case that those rookies that don't perform in summer league, a, a potential reason is because Brandon Miller, for example, defenses are just going to be hunting him in summer league because they know who he is. They know what he can do. He's the guy we guard him when he's playing in the NBA. Defenses aren't going to do that because Lamelo's there, Miles Bridges is there, so they they can't just focus on on Miller. So he's going to get far better shots. Um, he's going to have more space to operate in. So I think you could you could make a case for 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 both ways that transit that success in summer league doesn't necessarily mean you'll be a good rookie, but it also failure in or not failure, but underproduction in summer league doesn't mean you're not going to be a good rookie in the NBA. But that's not going to stop me from pushing agendas, of course. Like, it doesn't mean anything. But if if my guy does well, it means the world. But if he's bad, then it's just summer league or the yeah. other way around. Like, if the guy that's I said right. was going to be bad is awful, see, I told you guys. Like, I yeah. told everyone Brandon Miller was going to be an absolute bust, and now he's doing bad in summer league. So, ha, I got you guys. I was right. That's right. Yes. <laughs> and, and, and one final summer league one, I suppose, then I'll, I'll go and have some lunch. Um, is Chet Holmgren, who's who's sort of yeah. coming. He'll be a rookie this season because he missed all of last season. He's looked pretty good, I think, in, in across the first two games. Um, what are your sort of thoughts on him while I look up his ADP? Um, 
I mean, I'm still incredibly high on him. I'm, I don't care what he does in December league, uh, to be honest. And I, I don't remember if I tweeted it or put it in a column or what, but it's just, he hasn't played basketball in a formal game since last summer league had a massive injury. He's playing well, but if he would have been awful, I'm not too concerned because mm-hmm. uh, we'll see what happens when he gets to the regular season. So, but he has, you know, at least even when the numbers haven't been eye popping uh, for like scoring, he's been a very good shot blocker. And I think, like you said earlier, that's hard to find these days. So mm-hmm. he's going to be incredible for fantasy, but I'm very curious as to see what his ADP is. So he, he's ADP 48. Um, I don't remember what it was last year. I feel like it was similar, maybe. Um, so top 50, so so sort of fourth, fifth round at the moment is where people are, are drafting him. Um, I think I'm okay with taking him there. What about you? Yeah, I probably would. Um, just for, you know, talking about how rare blocks are, especially. I think it... It would depend on who's available in that draft, but I think like end of the fourth round, early fifth round is is very fair off the top of my head. Yeah, and and I mean he does look like he's bulked up a little bit. He's still he's still very <laughs> slim and and yeah, not a lot of meat on the bone there. But he he's certainly bigger than he was twelve months ago, so that can only help. Yeah, I think they there was a report that he had gained thirteen pounds, so okay. still ways to go, but. Definitely progress, and hopefully he can have a healthy season because I think he's got a chance to either win Rookie of the Year or at least Rookie First Team and eventually just be a fantasy superstar. So, I think so too, yep. Yeah. Well, I think that'll do it for this episode, uh, episode 13. But, uh, Adam, I know you have this new podcast with Dr. A. Can you tell us about the Balls Deep podcast? Yeah, so we've done a couple of episodes. So I've obviously done the uh, the interviews the, with the, the analyst interviews. Um, we've had those sort of releasing every couple of days for the last few months. Um, I think we're up to 20 of those, still a few more to be recorded. But then Dr. A and I have started a new weekly show um, all under the Balls Deep umbrella. <laughs> that's just because that's a name that I wanted to use. Um, I know it's he was a phenomenal name. He yeah he, he he had some questions but um, I, convinced, <laughs> I convinced him um, and and no look I mean it was just a show that I was going to be doing by myself but it's it's a lot easier to talk to someone than talk to yourself for forty five minutes or an hour so yes um, and and I knew that obviously along with a few other guys he had been let go from uh, Rotor World last season um, still he's still sort of out there doing work for ESPN Roto Wire but I. I just hit him up and I said, would you be interested? And he, he said, absolutely. So he's been really good, um, flexible coming on the show. And we're just, at the moment, much like you, we're just talking about, well, the draft, free agency, summer league, whatever's happening. Um, and then hopefully the, se- the show will continue into the season and we'll do a weekly show where we, we talk about what's been happening in the league. But no, look, so far, so good. I'm really enjoying it. And he's borderline nocturnal, so the time he works out perfectly with you. Yes, he's uh, over here. We get we get to know, like we obviously know what time it is over there, and I know where he is, where he's located, and it'll be <laughs> like four a.m. and he's messaging me. Uh, why are you up? And yes, he, 
he does have some odd sleep patterns. <laughs> um, but look, whatever works. Yeah, that's that's just what he does. So yep. Um, but that'll do it. Make sure you guys check out uh, Fantasy Basketball International. Make sure you follow Adam on Twitter and on Threads, which I think is your username the same at Adam King ninety one on both yep. Twitter and Threads. Perfect. So be sure to check him out there and check out the Balls Deep podcast as well. Uh, but that's going to do it for this episode. So Adam, thank you for joining me, and I'm going to let you go get some lunch now. Thank you. My pleasure.